So I got an email last week from one of you. I'm not going to say who it was because I don't have permission. I didn't ask for permission, so I can't say who it was. But I got an email that I want to share with you guys. He said, hi, Ryan. Great podcast as usual. Thank you for doing this for us. It has completely changed the way I look at books. I would much rather prefer to listen to Cut the Crap podcast instead of reading books. Thank you so much. The reason for my email, though, is because I am interested in your new sponsor, Sierra Sil. I have had a constant lingering knee problem that glucosamine chondroitin mixed with MSM has not been doing the trick for. I have also tried using shark cartilage and Udo's oil. Nothing has really helped reduce my pain. Do you think I should pick some up? I saw some at my health store last week and after hearing it on the show. What side effects did you have, if any, taking it? So I talked to Michael Bentley, the CEO of Sierra Cell Health, on a regular basis, and I sent him this email. And so what Michael did, again, this is an admirable trait about Michael. He emailed him back, and this is the email that he emailed him back with. He says, hello there. He goes uh, to this individual's name. Uh, Ryan kindly forwarded me your email. I'd be happy to answer your questions. One obvious question may be, how is Sierra Sil different from the products that you've tried? Products like glucosamine and shark cartilage, they're intended to mimic your body's natural cartilage production, whereas Sierra Sil works on the inflammation and chelates heavy metals from your body. Another difference is that we guarantee results within 14 days or your money back. Most competing natural products would need to rely on placebo to match that. Some other common questions as well as summaries of research are in the attached PDF. Uh, he calls this individual up by name. He says, you are welcome to call me or email me at your convenience. My info is below. I've also taken the liberty to attach a letter from one of British Columbia's top arthritis doctors. Although we could send references from retailers, sports trainers, etc., if you choose to try Sierra Sil, we would greatly appreciate hearing from our customers and how you're liking it. Thank you for your interest. That's the kind of individual that I want as a stakeholder of Cut the Crap Podcast. You want to know why I bring this product forward? Number one, it's because I believe in it. And I said before, I believe in the people behind the company, behind the product. That's a perfect example of why I believe in this product and why I love it so much. So if you guys have joint pain, I would highly recommend Sierra Sil Joint Formula 14. If you guys are buying online, use the coupon code CUTTHECRAP, all one word, all caps, and you'll get 15% off the total price when you're checking out. So I know it's tough to trust somebody, especially if you've never heard of them before. So I'm hoping that through time, if you do have joint pain, that you think about Sierra Sil and you use them because it's a product that I believe in and uh, I really hope that over time you trust them like I do as well too. So if you want some more information about Sierra Sil, go to sierrasil.com. That's S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L.com. That's sierrasil.com. Filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Caligiuri. What's going on, you guys? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where I make sure week after week, you never have to read a business book again. Because like I say every single week, I'm doing the dirty work for you. I'm buying the book, I'm reading it, I'm making notes, and I'm condensing it down to a core selection of golden nuggets that I believe are the most important pieces from each book. Now, if you like getting the summaries through podcast format, which I'm sure you do, that's why you're tuning in, then you might also want to get it in PDF format as well too. 
If you want to have the PDF versions of each episode, go to cutthecrappodcast.com, sign up for the weekly mind maps, the weekly summaries on the website, and uh, I'll make sure you have it in your inbox every single Monday, and it'll complement the podcast really nicely because you can read along, you can make notes on it, jot notes, highlights, whatever it is you want to do. But uh, I want to make sure I make that available to you guys because it's a resource that I use as well too. All right, guys, so what are we breaking into this week? This week, we have the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Reese and Jack Trout. So this book I've read a long time ago, and it's one of those ones that I've had an issue with for quite some time because I just don't think that a lot of these laws are applicable today. However, I've seen many executives uh, talk about these laws as if they are the gospel truth. And I've been in organizations where they've referenced a lot of these rules. And I sit there and I shake my head and I have to correct them. I say, no, this isn't the case anymore. And so what I want to do with this episode is I'm going to do a little bit differently. I'm going to share each and every single one of the immutable laws with you so that you know what each of them are. And I'm going to either debunk them or just go right through them if they're fairly straightforward. Because some of them are straightforward and very applicable today. Some of them are not. So I'll be sure to tell you which ones are, which ones aren't. Reason why I want to do that is because you're probably sitting there wondering what each of the 22 are. So I don't want to leave you wondering what each of the 22 are. I'll tell you what they are. I'll tell you if I think they're still applicable. And then we'll move on to the next law. All right. So before we crack into this one, let's read what this book is about. So there are laws of nature. So why wouldn't there be laws of marketing? As Al Reese and Jack Trout note, you can build an impressive airplane But it will never leave the ground if you ignore the laws of physics, especially gravity. Why then, they ask, shouldn't there also be laws of marketing that must be followed to launch and maintain winning brands? In the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, Reese and Trout offer a collection of 22 innovative rules for understanding and succeeding in the international marketplace. From the law of leadership to the law of category to the law of the mind, these valuable insights stand the test of time and present a clear path to successful products. Violate them at your own risk. I call BS on some of these things, but let's get right into them, guys. Golden nugget number one. Today, it's better to be superior than it is to be first. Immutable law number one, the law of leadership, states it is better to be first than to be better. Creating a category you can be first in is the basic issue in marketing. It's much easier to get into the mind first than to convince someone you're better than the product that got there first. Heineken, they were the first imported beer in America. Now, some beer tastes better than Heineken, but it's still the number one imported beer. The first domestic light beer was Miller Lite, which is now the best-selling light beer in America. Gillette was the first safety razor. Tide was the first laundry detergent. People stick with what they've got first. What do we think? True or not true? Personally, I look at this as not true. In my opinion, today, it's far better to be superior than it is to be first. And there are many examples where we can see somebody who came off after the fact and how they overtook the pioneer in that category. Apple's iPod, for example. They weren't the first MP3 player, but it beat out the ones that came before it. Facebook wasn't the first social network, but it beat out substantial companies like MySpace and Friendster. Flickr, they weren't the first online photo sharing site. It beat out large incumbents like Kodak Gallery. And why is that? Because they just did things better. Today, it's better to be superior than it is to be first in the minds of consumers. Today, better wins. Golden nugget number two. Pick a niche and get rich. Immutable law number two. 
the law of category states that if you can't be first, make a category that you can be first in. After Heineken's success, Anheuser-Busch said they should import beer as well, but it didn't work well for them. Instead, what they decided to do was create the first high-priced domestic beer called Michelob, and Michelob succeeded. When you launch a product, don't think, how is this better? Instead, think, what is this first in? So how do I get people to prefer my brand? Forget the brand, think categories. So given that it's hard to gain leadership in a category where competition already exists, it's better to create a product or a service in a new category than trying to attack existing categories. Category doesn't have to be radically the category doesn't have to be radically different. For example, if there's a dominant player in imported beer, you can become the first to import light beer. If you can't be the first person to fly over the Atlantic, then maybe you can be the first woman to fly over the Atlantic. Nice little examples from the book there with Amelia Earhart. So I like this law personally because it makes the case for selecting a niche and going deep in that niche to create a category of your own. So for example, let's say you're a sales trainer, okay? Sales training in general, I mean, there's a lot of sales trainers out there. There's a ton of them. So you're playing in a very commoditized space. There's nothing really special about you. However, why don't you become great at sales in medium-sized manufacturing companies in Canada? Or you could be great in uh, medium-sized manufacturing companies in the United States or Germany or whatever. You might want to go even more local in Illinois, for example. That's the kind of granularity you need to get to. Create a category for yourself by picking a niche. And this, to me, is where I see a lot of organizations go wrong. And I've talked about this on previous episodes as well, too. We want to keep our doors open to absolutely everybody so that we have more opportunities coming to us, right? The universe looks so big. Because we do everything and we serve everyone. And we all know what happens when we try to serve everyone. We dilute our message and we dilute our focus. And because of that, we're not able to penetrate the marketplace appropriately. If you're able to break down to a granular point of view, you'll increase your chances of success dramatically. Golden nugget number three. Being first in the mind of the consumer is more important than being first in the market. Immutable law number three. Law of mind states it's better to be first in the mind than in the market. So I agree with this law. Being first in the mind is everything in marketing. Being first in the marketplace is only good if it allows you to get into the mind first. And if mind is a battle of perception, not product, then the mind takes precedence over the marketplace. This law is consistent with modern consumerism because success in marketing is about when and if the consumer remembers you not when you put products and services into the marketplace. Today, people will become aware of you when friends tell other friends about you or when your product or service comes up in a way that isn't overly intrusive but is seen as authentic, educational, and helpful. Golden nugget number four, products win over perception. Immutable law number four, the law of perception states, Marketing is not a battle of products, but a battle of perceptions. So I obviously disagree with this one. In the book, it states that marketing is not about products, their features or their qualities, but about perceptions, how people perceive products. Because reality doesn't exist. What we call reality is just a perception of reality that we create in our minds. Honda is a leading Japanese car manufacturer in the United States, but only third in Japan after Toyota and Nissan. 
If the quality of the car was the most important thing, it should have the same position in all markets. In Japan, however, people perceive Honda as a manufacturer of motorcycles. So that's what the book states. My take on it, though, is that perceptions are now formed by individual consumers with the help from their circles of influencers and from real life experiences. So if your car breaks down every 10 miles, no amount of marketing will convince people that it has high quality. So if advertising manages to convince you that this car is quality and it isn't true and you find out, you'll not only not buy that product again, but you'll also tell your friends and rant about it online. The key takeaway here is that the battle of lasting perceptions is only won by winning the battle of products and in doing so consistently. You have to put out a quality product, and if you put out a quality product, one that resonates with consumers, one that people love to use, people love to engage, people love to buy, that by itself will impact perceptions in a great way. Golden nugget number five. Listen to what your consumers say about you, and then own that word. Immutable law number five, the law of focus, states... The most powerful concept in marketing is owning a word in the prospect's mind. Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree or disagree with this one. I'm kind of up in the air on this one, and I'll tell you why after I go through the summary of what this immutable law is about. So the authors talk about immutable law number five by saying that the leader that owns the word owns the category. So IBM, they own computers. Heinz, they own ketchup. Smart leaders try to own the most important attribute of their category. But what if you're not the leader? If you're not the leader, your word needs to be completely available and focused. Most effective words are simple and benefit-oriented. And no matter how complex the product or needs or the market is, you have to use a word that communicates an important benefit to them. So BMW equals driving. Domino's equals home delivery. Pepsi-Cola equals youth. The most powerful concept in marketing is owning a word in the prospect's mind. Owning in this context means that if people hear or see this word, they usually connect it with a company that owns this word. All right, so my take on this one is that I can't help but think that this book, the authors, that they've oversimplified this principle. Now, being simple is good. I like simple, but not when the reality is more complex. And the word, by the way, is not something that advertisers or the executive team chooses, but rather it's what the consumer thinks. So if you do believe in this idea that you want to own a word that becomes synonymous with your brand, then I'd highly suggest you run CSAT surveys, you know, customer satisfaction surveys. And from there, when you interview your customers, go ahead and develop a word map of the consistent themes that people are mentioning. And from there, maybe you'll find a word that you want to select, that you want to own, that you want to become synonymous with your brand. I mean, again, the challenge here is that it's really up to the marketplace. And you could go ahead and say, this is our, our word. But it's up to the marketplace. I mean, to some, Apple means great design or easy to use. The point is that individuals have their own word themselves, and it usually isn't the word that the company chooses. Like, think different. That's the one that Apple chose. It's not the one the marketplace chooses. Golden nugget number six. Become known for something unique. Immutable law number six. The law of exclusivity states... That two companies cannot own the same word in the prospect's mind. They go on to say that you can't change people's minds once they're made up. 
When you compete for the same word, you reinforce your competitor's position by making its concept that much more important. So if the leader owns the most important word, you take the second most important word. And if the leader ever tries to leave that word, then it's your opportunity to take that word. <laughs> All right. So this one kind of makes me uh, chuckle a little bit because it just seems so simplistic. It seems so juvenile, you know, pick a word and own that word. And is that something that marketing agencies are really thinking about? Is that something that you and your organization are really thinking about? Chances are probably not. And especially now, this law has very little meaning in highly commoditized companies like service companies, for example, where there's not a lot of differentiation between this law firm or this accounting firm or this consultant. A lot of it's based on relationships. However, I'm not discounting it. That's a significant issue onto itself being commoditized in a highly competitive marketplace. But like I said, that's for a different book, for a different discussion on a different episode. So while it's true that McDonald's owns fast, Duracell owns long-lasting, Volvo owns safety, and advertising assaults by Burger King, Energizer, and Mercedes, they all tried to take over those words and they all failed. But despite that, there are examples where organizations, the incumbent, came over and beat the champion. The word search engine in the mid-90s, Yahoo was king of the hill. They were the king of search engine. But then along came Google, and Google now owns the word search engine. Why? Goes back to that last law that we were talking about. Because it was actually better. When Google came along, its search algorithm actually yielded far better results than Yahoo's yellow page directory approach. In my mind, product wins over perception 100% of the time. I don't care if you spend $100 million on advertisements to try to change the perception of the marketplace. In our interconnected, socially connected world, number one, people are highly skeptical of advertisements. Number two, people are going to talk. If your product is crap and people don't like it, guess what? They're going to talk about it and people are going to know. So you're going to keep spending money trying to influence perception when in reality, people are using your product, not liking your product, and talking about the poor experiences with your product. But if your product is great, if your service is great, if your offering is great, People will talk about it. They'll tell their friends. They'll share their stories. And you, as an organization, it's your responsibility to ensure that they are telling those stories. Make it easy for them to tell the stories to continue to impact perception. Golden nugget number seven. Be honest with who you are as a company. Immutable law number seven. The law of the ladder states the strategy to use depends on which rung you occupy on that ladder. Your marketing strategy should depend on how soon you got into the mind and consequently which rung of the ladder you occupy. So take Avis for example. Avis for a long time was on the second rung of the ladder and they came off with the message that they had the finest rental cars. Well, the marketplace knew that was BS because they considered Hertz at the top of the rung. However, when Avis went to market with a new message that said, we try harder, they acknowledged their place on the ladder as on the second rung, and what happened? Sales went up. They didn't do better because all of a sudden they actually tried harder, but because it acknowledged its place on the ladder. Now, the mind only accepts new data if it's consistent with its product or service ladder in that category. It ignores everything else. So before starting any marketing campaign, consider where you are on the ladder in the prospect's mind, and then make sure your campaign acknowledges that and makes it known that you acknowledge the same. 
So my take on this law is that in many ways, this law, it's a restatement of the previous laws. If you aren't first in a category, think about starting up another category. What word can you own in a prospect's mind if one is already owned by the company on the top rung? So for example, again, if Hertz is already on the top rung of the prospect's mind ladder and Avis claims to be the finest in car rentals, there's definitely a conflict there. Now take, for example, your company. What word do you own? Who are your competitors? What are they known for? What can you be known for that's different? Again, be honest with who you are. Be honest with where your company is at in the marketplace and own something that maybe your competitors don't own. You might not have the most experienced people. You might not have the uh, longest tenure in the marketplace. However, there has to be some sort of unique element that you can bring to the marketplace. That's your challenge. And it's a tough one. It's not easy. But again, the takeaway here is just be honest with who you are as a company. Because if you're like Avis and you say we have the finest in car rentals and the world knows that it hurts is clearly the number one, you lose credibility and it hurts you. And you really don't have a shot at getting to the top spot if you just keep lying to yourself and lying to your marketplace. It's not a good place to be. Golden nugget number eight. The world is a competitive battlefield with many sides. Immutable law number eight, the law of duality states that in the long run, every market becomes a two horse race. I don't believe that for a second, not a second. In the book, they say that in rent-a-cars, it's Hertz and Avis. In sneakers, it's Nike and Reebok. That's great. Fantastic. But it's not true. It's not true at all. The book, again, makes a big simplification of reality, and it tries to support this simplified picture with selectively chosen examples. There are markets where two brands can't fulfill all the demand. There are more than two well-known car manufacturers. And there's way more than two sneaker providers as well, too. Nike, Reebok, Adidas, Under Armour. Like, there's just more than two. You kidding me? I'm sure there's other many markets where there are two-horse races. But then again, there's three-horse races, four-horse races. When I read this, I just think it's such a lie. There's no such thing as a two-horse race. The world is a competitive battlefield, and there are so many opportunities for companies to come in there and take away market share. This law is nothing but a sometimes true observation and it's not true frequently enough to be worth anything. So the law of duality, scrap that. That's a marketing law that is just has no place in our minds. Golden nugget number nine, differentiate yourself from the market leader. Immutable law number nine, the law of the opposite states, if you are shooting for second place, your strategy is determined by the leader. So discover the essence of the leader and present yourself as the opposite because there's two types of people, the people that like the leader and the people that don't be the opposite of the leader. Also, don't try to be better, be different because better can be a very expensive game to play and those that play the better game and win, sometimes they have really fat pockets, meaning they have a lot of money or they're just really lucky and they're the outliers. Coca-Cola, for example, they're the old established product. But using opposite theory, Pepsi reversed the essence of Coca-Cola to become the choice of the new generation. So don't try to copy them. Don't try to be them. Be the opposite. Time, for example, built a reputation with colorful writing. Newsweek turned that around by writing with a straightforward style. See what I mean here? 
Also, a little note here, you can't be timid when you take that opposite approach. You have to stand by it, you have to believe in it, and you can't sway. And the reason I say that is because of the lesson learned from Burger King. Burger King was doing so well when it attacked McDonald's with, have it your way. They attacked McDonald's' mass production technique, but then they screwed up. Burger King screwed up, that is, when they went with Herb the Nerd. And it was all downhill from there. They even tried to target little kids, which was McDonald's mainstay. They should have made it simple and gone with burgers for grown-ups. Now, I actually really like this law. Differentiate yourself from the market leader by taking the opposite approach. The law of the opposite, yeah, definitely has some power today. Absolutely. All right, guys, before we go to golden nugget number 10, I just want to say that for the most part right now, we've been aligned with the immutable laws and the golden nuggets. I'm skipping immutable law number 10, the law of division, which states over time, a category will divide and become two or more categories. Reason why I'm skipping that one, it's useless. It means absolutely nothing to us. Who cares? The fact that the car industry breaks into luxury cars, fast cars, adventurous cars. What does that mean to us? means absolutely nothing. So I look at this. I try to extract some value from it. It means nothing to us. We're going to move on. Golden nugget number 10. The benefits of marketing take time to realize. Now we're going to align ourselves to the immutable laws. Immutable law number 11. The law of perspective states that marketing effects take place over an extended period of time. It's an absolute mistake to sacrifice long-term planning with actions to improve short-term balance sheets. For example, the long-term effects are often the exact opposite of the short-term. In the short-term, a discount increases business, but studies showed that consumers get used to discounts and they stop buying during normal times, which forces businesses to make constant discounts to keep people coming in the door. Another example is investing in your marketplace with content to help them get to know, like, and trust you. A lot of executives say, you listen, hey, you're running this strategy. It's not working. We're not seeing leads. We're not seeing an increase in sales. It's not working. We're going to stop this. They stop it and they still have troubles years later where if they continued to invest early on, they wouldn't be having those problems still. The benefits of marketing take time to realize no matter what it is you're doing. If we go back to episode number three of Cut the Crap Podcast, The Ultimate Sales Machine, we'll remember that only 3% of the marketplace is currently buying. Only 3%. Which means that if you go out there into the marketplace and you throw out a whole bunch of ads, only 3% of people are going to respond to them because those are the people who are buying. The other are people who are thinking about it, the other people who aren't thinking about it, and the people who are absolutely not going to be buying at all. So the benefits of marketing, it takes time to realize. It's an investment. Remember that. Golden nugget number 11. Create new brands to address new markets. Immutable law number 12, the law of line extension, states that there's an irresistible pressure to extend the equity of the brand. So when you try to be all things to all people, you end up in trouble. There's an irresistible pressure to extend the equity of the main brand, and it's a huge mistake. Instead, you should create new brands to address new markets and new products. 
This is a very, very interesting law. And I, this one is one that I honestly thought the most about when I read the book. Line extension means taking the successful brand of one product and putting it on another. So for example, the name of that successful brand, it becomes the product. But the problem is that people can't separate the two. So when you say pass the A1, that means pass the steak sauce. So A1 chicken sauce doesn't quite work that well. Now, this one's applicable to a lot of small to medium-sized companies because you all have one brand, right? It's the company brand, your company name. And you have services or different product lines as part of that. Well, what happens if you ended up creating a sub-brand underneath your main brand? So if you were company XYZ and you picked a niche and you focused on that niche, maybe it was... Um, you know, manufacturing consultants, I don't know, it's a terrible name, but maybe you came up with a name that was manufacturing consultants and you strictly focused on consulting for manufacturers to help them save costs or, you know, um, make money, increase throughput production, whatever it is, that was your goal. And that's a sub brand under the main brand. That way it's just, okay, well now I know exactly what it is. This company does their brand, their message, everything speaks so clearly to me. To me, this one's probably one of the most um, interesting takeaways from it. Like I said, I'll probably do some experiments on this myself just to see how well it works. So the takeaway here, create new brands to address new markets. So maybe if you're struggling right now with lead generation and companies don't really know who you are, maybe it's because they don't know who you are as a company, but maybe you can create a sub-brand underneath that to introduce them to that maybe speaks more directly to them. I don't know. Could be something here. Anyways, it's an interesting thought to maybe mull on. If you guys do have some thoughts on this one, let me know. I'm interested in having some discussion around it. Golden nugget number 12. Stick to what you're best at. Again, this one plays off the last golden nugget. Uh, let's go to the immutable law first. Immutable law number 13. The law of sacrifice states you have to give up something in order to get something. So if you want to be successful, you should give something up. Three things to sacrifice, product line, target market, and constant change. So Kraft lost the mayonnaise market to Hellman's because that was all the Hellman's made, mayonnaise. Kraft lost the jelly market to Smucker's because that's all Smucker's made. Kraft won the cream cheese market because it used the brand name Philadelphia. Interesting, right? Interstate department stores went bankrupt, so it looked in its books to see what it sold most, and it was toys, and they focused on that. So what did they do? They called themselves Toys R Us, and they now own 20% of that market. Lots of stores, they still sell lingerie, but we only think of Victoria's Secret. This one here, like I said, this one, Golden Nugget number 12 and Golden Nugget number 11, these ones are the ones that I thought about the most, that I felt were the most interesting to me, because this is something that we all face. So many of us, we don't just do one thing. We do so many things and that's our problem with the current state of the marketplace right now is that we do so many things. Well, we have to really focus in, narrow in on a specific set of services or products or different offerings that we can bring to our marketplace. And if we have multiple products or services or offers, what can we do to essentially branch off and create a completely different brand? Like Kraft, Kraft won the cream cheese market because it used the brand name Philadelphia. Interstate department stores, they went bankrupt, but in the end, they ended up creating Toys R Us, a separate brand altogether, and they won. There's a pattern here, you guys. Do you see it? Do you see the pattern? 
there's something here and I don't quite know what it is yet, but I would love to explore it further with you guys. I am going to do some tests on this, but if any of you guys have thoughts, please let me know. All right. And again, before we go into golden nugget number 13, we're going to be skipping immutable law number 14, the law of attributes, which states for every attribute, there is an opposite effective attribute. I'm skipping this one because it's just repetition. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you telling me the exact same thing in just a different manner. Um, It's saying, you know what, if, uh, again, the whole idea here, if McDonald's says that they're going to focus on kids, if you're Burger King, don't focus on kids, focus on adults. Focus on a different attribute. Focus on the opposite. I actually laughed when I read this one over again. I'm like, why would they repeat themselves? They just found a different way of saying the exact same thing. So it's completely ridiculous. So now let's go into golden nugget number 13. Don't be afraid to share your weaknesses. So immutable law number 15, the law of candor states, when you admit a negative, the prospect will give you a positive. Now, this is a really tough one for a lot of companies to get their heads around because we all want to come from a position of strength. And a lot of high-priced consultants will say, you never come from a position of weakness. So this spits in the face a lot of common business principles and philosophy. So when a company begins a message by stating a problem, the public opens their mind. Scope entered the market with a good-tasting mouthwash. Listerine could have tried to convince people that it tastes, you know, it's not that bad. But that would have been fighting against the obvious and against the already installed notions in the mind. So instead, they went with the taste you hate twice a day. Anything that tastes like disinfectant, it must work. Another great example of this is Buckley's. It tastes so bad, it's got to work, or something along those lines, but Buckley's did a fantastic job of that. Your negative, though, it has to be an obvious negative. It has to resonate with the public, too. But the key here is, though, don't just settle on that negative. You need to shift the focus to its positive aspect. So, for example, Buckley's, it tastes like crap, but it works, right? That was their slogan. It tastes bad, but it works. That's a perfect example here. The point of candor isn't to apologize, but to set up for a benefit that will convince your prospect. Now, in the world we live in, this socially connected world, the current state of the internet truly is social media because 53% of our time is spent on social media. So this golden nugget here, this immutable law is incredibly important because candor is not only the best policy, it's the only policy. Brands are already mistrusted for the long string of hyperbole that comes from companies. So they have a long, hard road to earn trust. They need to be honest about their products and services so they can even have a dialogue with modern skeptical consumers. The importance of candor cannot be understated here. If you have a weakness, don't be worried about sharing it. So if you have a weakness, don't be afraid about sharing it. However... It has to be strategic in that it has to set you up to position yourself for a benefit. Again, if you're trying to think about this and trying to crystallize it, just remember Listerine. The taste you hate twice a day or, again, something very similar. It's also taste-related, but Buckley's. Tastes so bad, it's got to work. Golden nugget number 14. Penetrate your market by going an inch wide and a mile deep. Immutable law number 16. The law of singularity states, in each situation, only one move will produce substantial results. 
So people tend to think that success is the result of a lot of small efforts well executed, that working harder is the way to success. In marketing, the only thing that works is a single bold stroke. It's the idea around going a mile deep and an inch wide. You need to come up with a laser-focused strategy and go deep in that direction. Far too often, we're so consumed with all the different types of social media activities, all the different types of tactics, the different approaches we can take, and we get lost. And we dilute our message. We dilute our efforts. When instead, if we were to come up with a really great video strategy and we created videos every single week, people would get used to looking for our videos and they would go to YouTube, they would go to Facebook and they would look for those videos on a regular basis because, hey, that's how I get messages from this company right now, through videos. However, that's not what a lot of people do. You know, we do some Snapchat here, some Vine here, some YouTube here, some blog here, some direct response over here. And so it's all over the place and it becomes very expensive very hard to manage, very difficult to manage, extremely difficult to manage, and uh, it becomes just a big mess. So if you really want to be successful, you need to penetrate your market by going an inch wide and a mile deep. Pick a specific tactic that you really want to own, that you're really passionate about, you're excited about, you think you can dominate, and do that. That's where marketing philosopher Seth Godin does really well. He himself has said no to Twitter, said no to Vine, said no to YouTube, because he knows that his inch wide mile deep is his blog. The man has stuck with his blog for years and years and years and continues to stick with his blog. And he has a lot of people that continue to read and subscribe. Myself, I'm a subscriber. I'm sure many of you are subscribers to Seth's blog as well too. We're far too often caught by the shiny penny syndrome and because of that, it's limiting our ability to be successful. The law of singularity Again, it states, in each situation, only one move will produce substantial results. So again, if you're in a marketing role and you're trying to penetrate a specific marketplace, pick one strategy in terms of what you're going to do to drive forward in the marketplace, simplify it, and go an inch wide and a mile deep in that direction. All right, before we go into golden nugget number 15, we're going to skip immutable law number 17, which is the law of unpredictability, which states... Unless you write your competitor's plans, you can't predict the future. Well, obviously, thank you so much for that brilliant piece of advice. And there really wasn't anything groundbreaking to take from this uh, immutable law. So we're going to skip this immutable law and we're going to go to immutable law number 18, which is golden nugget number 15. You with me here? I know it's getting a little bit confusing with these numbers. But anyways, golden nugget number 15. Stay humble and stay in touch with the marketplace. Immutable law number 18 is the law of success, which states success often leads to arrogance and arrogance leads to failure. Ego, it's the enemy of successful marketing. This is where objectivity is absolutely critical. When companies become successful, they substitute their own judgment for what the marketplace wants. You can't do that. The bigger and more successful you get, the more likely the CEO or the CMO has lost touch with the front lines. Take Sam Walton, for example. Sam Walton, for those of you who don't know, the founder of Walmart. He was an interesting cat because he had a lot of interesting stories that came out of his uh, biography. And if you read it, it's absolutely fascinating. He has stories where he was arrested one day. He went into a grocery store, or pardon me, a department store, and uh, he got on his hands and knees, lay on the floor with a tape measure, and started measuring the distance between the floor and the shelf. 
And so when people at the department store were wondering, what the heck was this guy doing? They called the cops. Cops went over and they said, what are you doing, sir? He said, oh, I just wanted to see the distance between the floor and all the shelves to see what was easier for people to grab certain products. How cool is that? The founder of Walmart doing some of this dirty work, getting on his hands and knees, getting his hands dirty. This is what this golden nugget is all about. Stay humble and stay in touch with the marketplace. So yes, while you might be successful and you might think that you have all the answers, don't replace your own judgment for what the marketplace truly wants. Stay in tune with what the marketplace wants. Take somebody out for coffee. Run customer satisfaction surveys. Go out into the marketplace and ask questions. Do the dirty work because that's what's going to give you the insights to help build new products, build new features around. Okay? It's such an important element to do, but that's not what happens. What usually happens is the CEOs of companies, when they get very successful, they start allocating their time to other areas. You know, they go to too many meetings or too many industry activities or too many outside board meetings, too many fancy dinners, and they're not doing enough learning firsthand. For any leader in an organization, that's your job. That's your role. And don't ever forget that. Stay humble and stay in touch with the marketplace. All right, this is a golden nugget. It's one that's near and dear to my heart. Golden nugget number 16. Failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is a part of success. Immutable law number 19, the law of failure, states failure is to be expected and accepted. Now, this is something that a lot of senior executives do not want to hear. They do not want to fail. Failure is not an option. We've heard that many times. I've heard that many times from different organizations that I've worked with. And you know what happened? I left. I did not work with them. I fired them because I refused to work with anybody that looks at failure as a bad thing. Now, failure can be a bad thing if you do it wastefully, if you don't learn anything from it. And I'm kind of spitting out some things that are quite positive that a lot of us have heard before. You know, it's not truly failure if you learn something from it. Well, no, you can learn something from it and it could cost you millions of dollars. The thing here, though, when it comes to failure, you guys, is you have to fail fast, fail cheap. And this is something that I've learned really early on when it came to new product, service, offering, development, uh, the innovation space. Fail fast, fail cheap is a really important principle to take away. The key here is if you're introducing something new, something you're not sure is going to work, something the company has never done before, you have to build a business case. And the business case is very simple. State what your idea is. And then propose that idea very quickly. Again, this is a very raw idea. Propose it to the organization or a group of trusted people and allow them to poke holes in this. This is a part of the process. Allow them to poke holes in it. So let them say, hey, this isn't going to work because of A. It's not going to work because of B or C. Great. Get all of those barriers down. Now, take those barriers away and it's your job to take those barriers down. Now, how do you do that? You do that by learning more. Is this actually a barrier that has merit or is it one that we can easily get rid of by learning more? An example of a barrier that has some merit, we don't have the money to do this. Okay, well, that could kill the idea or you can learn more. Are there people out there who can do it for free? Are there students who can execute on this? Is there funding available for this? By looking in different directions like that, you can dissolve that barrier. But you always want to start with the biggest barriers first And then get rid of the smaller ones afterwards. Another small one is, is anyone going to enjoy doing this? 
I mean, okay, that's a really small concern, but I'll take that concern down regardless. Is there anyone who, who loves to do this? You'll probably have a whole bunch of people who say, yeah, I want to execute this plan. Great. Easily dissolved. Okay. Failure is a very scary thing in a lot of organizations. And especially when it comes to new product service offering, you know, development, new campaign development. Um, it's a tough thing to do. And a lot of times, a lot of people get their butts handed to them because they took a risk and it didn't pay off. It's just the way it is. Some organizations are more comfortable with failure. Others aren't. Those organizations that aren't comfortable with, with failure, I would highly suggest to you to get the heck out of there because there's a lot of companies out there that are comfortable with failure, know that it's going to happen, and will ensure that they don't stop employees from taking risks because of it. Remember, failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is a part of success. Some of my greatest successes came about after some of my greatest failures. And while that's very cliche, it is very, very true. And as this podcast continues, I will continue to share a lot of my failures with you that ended up becoming one of my biggest successes. All right, as we get into the last golden nugget here, we have two immutable laws that I'm skipping through. Immutable law number 20, the law of hype, which states the situation is often the opposite of the way it appears in the press. Listen, I just don't think this has validity today because consumers are too smart, too informed, too socially connected. The press doesn't run the messages that get out there into the public. Now people can go ahead and search for themselves. There's all these review sites and there's a lot of different ways that people can get information today. People rely on each other to produce that information. The press doesn't run it anymore. All right, immutable law number 21, the law of acceleration states that successful programs are not built on fads, they're built on trends. So fads fade and trends last. Fads are something that's short term. You know, think of Tickle Me Elmo, Trolls. You know, those things are fads. They come and they go. They come really loud. Big bang. They're here. They're gone. Trends, on the other hand, they take time to develop. They don't have a big bang, here we are kind of thing and then fade away. Trends take time to develop over time. Right now, one of the biggest trends that's happening is obviously social media, the changing of the internet, but VR. Virtual reality is going to change the way that we all interact with one another. Who knows, in 10 years from now, you might be watching me through VR, me doing this podcast in my office. Who knows? But I just felt that that wasn't really all that necessary because there wasn't really that much to take away from that one. So I'm skipping to the last golden nugget and the last immutable law. So golden nugget number 17, you don't need a lot of money for powerful marketing. Immutable law number 22, the law of resources, states without adequate funding, an idea won't get off the ground. Hmm, looks like we're in a little bit of a disagreement here. Let me ask you this question. How much does it cost you to get your name out there now that we live in this socially connected world? The answer, not as much as it used to cost to get your name out there. You still need to spend money, yes. 100% you still need to spend money on promotion, but... You can spend a lot less today if you're creative enough to leverage the channels that exist that connect you, your story, your products, your services with your target market. There's no excuses. Back in the day, you had to buy advertisements. You had to buy advertisements because that was the only way to do it. Not anymore. Like I said before in the middle of the, uh, the episode here, 53% of internet usage is on social media. Twitter. Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest. There are so many different ways that you can communicate with people. I mean, I left one of the biggest ones off there, YouTube. There's so many different ways to communicate with people that it's ridiculous. 
People 50 years ago wish they had the tools that we have now. They say, oh my God, if we only had access to those tools. So maybe we're looking a gift horse in the mouth kind of thing. And we don't really realize how good we truly do have it. We always want things easier. We want things better. Listen, we have the tools to be successful. You don't need to spend a lot of money on powerful marketing, but you do have to be helpful. You do have to provide an education and you do have to be creative. If you can be those three things, you don't need a lot of money to do powerful marketing. All right, my friends, there we have it. That is the 22 immutable laws of marketing. Violate them at your own risk. Ominous, ominous Al Reese and Jack Trout. Um, you know, I, I, this was a little bit painful for me because if it was up to me, I probably would have condensed it down to the golden nuggets that I felt were the most applicable. However, I decided to go through each of the immutable laws one by one because this book right here was the most requested book from all of you. This, I believe I had about 52 requests to review this book. So if I'm getting that many requests to review this book, which is really out of the ordinary, I was really surprised by it. It kind of blew me away. I felt that I had to dedicate time to each of the immutable laws so that you at least know what they are and can talk to their validity and their applicability in today's world of business. Um, so that was the reason why I went through it one by one. Uh, it was a little bit painful for me. I hope it wasn't painful for you. I really don't. Uh, I don't plan on doing that again, so don't worry about it. Um, but again, there were some really good golden nuggets that I took away from this one, um, many of which uh, you know I definitely emphasized within the podcast. So if you wanted to focus on a, full, a few core golden nuggets, those ones that I put emphasis around might be the ones you want to focus on. Uh, I'm going to be doing some exploration in those areas. So like I said, um, if you guys have any thoughts on this episode, throw me an email. Let me know your thoughts. I'm always, always, always interested in hearing from you guys and how you're liking the podcast. If you have any suggestions for the podcast, let me know as well too. All right, you guys, that is a wrap for this week. Thank you so much again for tuning in. It means a lot to me that you guys do. It means a lot to me that you subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for that. Give some love to Sierra Seal Health, a sponsor of Cut the Crap Podcast, because without them, I'm not able to take this podcast far and wide. And because of them, I'm able to invest more time, more energy, more resources into bettering the podcast and getting the podcast out there to the people that need to hear it. So thank you so much to Sierra Seal Health for sponsoring the podcast. It means a lot to me that they also support this medium. You guys, I want you to have a fantastic week. Have a productive week. Summertime's coming. July's coming up. I hope you guys have a really, really good week. And I can't wait to get back here next week with a brand new business book and brand new Golden Nuggets. You guys, take it easy. Have a great week. I love you. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.